This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Let's talk a little basketball. Let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now, former Cougar. Jonathan Tavernari, what's going on, JT? How are you? What's up, fellas? How y'all doing? Jake, Gordy, what's going on? We're doing great, Jonathan. Uh, excited to talk to you today. Uh, not a, so excited to see a Cougs loss, however. What happened? Man, I, you know, I, you guys have been watching this team all season. Um, we all have. The biggest thing for me that's going on with this team is I think it's a little bit of a lack of urgency, you know. Um, you don't see these guys – um, start game on fire. You know, I'll give an example. Um, right after Shaq said what he said about Donovan, the whole Jazz team came out looking like 2017 Golden State, right? And they were firing all cylinders and everything. They were just, you know, running and gunning. And this BYU team, usually they start games very slow. And they start picking up sometime and towards the end of the first half. And it's not until the end of the game, in the last 10 minutes or so, that these guys put on a huge run, right? And that's an issue because when you play on the road, um, when guys are comfortable in their home court um, and so on, they can catch you by surprise, which is exactly what happened. I don't know if you guys watched the game, uh, but BYU had a comfortable lead. Um, They weren't playing particularly great. They were also playing particularly bad. They just, you know – just a lot of ups and downs, and at the end of the time, at the end of the game, Pepperdine just made probably one or two more plays than they did. Um, to me, a huge factor was, um, you know, probably just turnovers, and just to me, yeah, the, the battle rebound. If you look at the numbers, they actually were tied, but BYU lost the rebounding battle. I mean, um, with the big guys that they have, with the length and size that BYU does have, to not dominate. Fairperdine and most of the other teams, you know, obviously that's not considered Gonzaga because Gonzaga is the ultimate cheat code in this conference. But um, it was kind of disappointing. And and to me, I don't know if you guys had a chance to at least see towards the end of the game, the biggest um, kind of overall snapshot of the game was when BYU gave up about four or five offensive rebounds in the last minute uh, in one play um, to them when one of their big men actually caught the ball and just kind of tipped in real quick. But then they also turned around right away and had a fast break, um, you know, layup with the big man, with Richard Harward. So to me, that was kind of like a, a Photoshop of the game where uh, Pepperdine wanted more. They were hungrier. Um, they execute. I won't say they executed a little bit better, but they their sense of urgency uh, they wanted to win more than BYU did, which again, the Death Pepper Die team is not going to go anywhere. They're seven and seven. They might even, you know, there's not going to be an NIT or college basketball um, tournament or anything like that. So it just BYU didn't want it, and I think that this loss probably will hurt them in the long run for the NCAA tournament. Maybe you just partially answered my question, Jonathan, but I'm. I'm curious to know why BYU has this habit of dropping these games against what I would consider inferior teams in the West Coast Conference. I mean, this has been going on for years now. 
Uh, uh, Gordon, Ed, if we had an answer for that, I can promise you I will figure out a way to bottle and settle it because, to me, that's my biggest pet peeve of the WCC. You know, um, there is this whole thing about, all oh, the WCC, it's such a good conference and it's solid. But let's be realistic. It's really not. I mean, on a good on a good year, there's maybe three or four teams that are solid. On a bad year, which kind of like this year, there is Gonzaga, and then there's one or two teams fighting to be a bubble team in the NCAA tournament. And so to drop games to these guys, it is it, it's bad. It's not okay, right? Um, is this on the coaching staff? Somewhat. I do think that not being up and ready to play these games uh, is somewhat on the coaching staff. But the players also have a big, a big responsibility here to answer for not being ready to play, for being up and down. Because let's be honest, the, the, the coaching staff is preparing the game plan, getting things you know on the same page. I mean, there's COVID to worry about. But then in return, you go ahead and you talk about um, you know not getting ready to play. The players need to help with that quite a bit. So to me, um, it's it's not okay. And you know, I kind of answered that, and I'll you know reemphasize what I said. To me, I really think that this game was going to come back. I hope I'm wrong. When it comes to basketball, I usually am not. I mean, heck, I owe DJ some cookies for thinking that Golden State was going to come back the other day. I know Austin saw that. Um, but it, to me, I think that this game is going to come back and buy BYU in the tail because Gonzaga was 6-7 and seven coming into this game. Um, 129, I think, was their camp bomb. And BYU – had nothing to gain from winning and had a lot to lose um, by not, you know, by losing this game, which it unfortunately it's what happened. So um, a couple of games now have been canceled. Um, Saturday, a home game against USF, which is a it was going to be a quality win um, for them. Um, it's not going to happen. They're going to have to play Portland again, which again it's not going to be uh, the greatest of wins. And at Portland, and again, it's one of those situations, guys. If they lose. They have more to lose by losing. Do they have more to gain Gain if they get a win? Jonathan, I apologize if I've asked you this before, but what has Mark Few figured out at Gonzaga? What makes him so consistently good? You know, um, one of my really good friends, you guys probably remember this because this is back when, when Andrew Bogut was dominating in Utah. They have a Brazilian guy that played there, J.P. Batista, and uh, we played in the national team a, a long time together. Um, he played in France for quite some time. Um, and the way he tells me, guys, um, it, it, he just knows how to talk to people. And I, I don't, I, you guys probably know this, but the story of how Gonzaga became a powerhouse is actually pretty cool. Um, they're about to go out of business, and the institution itself was in trouble. The athletic department was going to be shut down. They brought Mark Field to be the guy that pretty much just steered a boat into darkness. And he had a couple of really good seasons, some postseason runs, got paid some money, got more some out of a vibe, and then started getting better and better recruits. And lo and behold, what happened? Gonzaga became a powerhouse and just got continuation. So um, to me, it's, it's kind of like the Duke effect somewhat. You go to Duke, you know you're going to be an NBA draftee. You go to North Carolina, you know you have a chance to go pro. And they figured out that. I'll tell you from um, um, from personal perspective, um, being an international guy, being an immigrant, when I was at Bishop Gorman, um, I was getting calls from Gonzaga. And at that time, I was like, I don't know if I want to go to Gonzaga. It's a small school, right? I mean, yeah, they just had Aaron Morrison and all of that, but it's a small school. 
I mean, Gonzaga in 2004, 2005, they weren't being looked at the way that they are today. Um, but Mark Few was able to appeal to a lot of Europeans, a lot of foreigners. Um, and you guys know this because I come on the show a lot. You guys are friends with Spence Nelson and a lot of, you know, the guys that, that play overseas. Um, Europeans want to come to college and they want to be able to have a place to play and call it home and, and have that college university. Gonzaga um, goes to those guys. They recruit overseas. They go over there, which is something that a lot of the other programs, they don't want to do it, right? Uh, BYU had a huge influx of, of Brazilians because of Walter Ruiz, right, who is now the head of the NBA camp uh, academy um, down in Mexico, um, which is the reason why they got Hoffa, which is the reason why they got me. And so, uh, to me, it's a huge thing is about uh, Gonzaga. When, and when NBA guys go there, when Europeans go there, guys, Europeans aren't very selfish, right? They are uh, uh, foreigners. When we get here, we have that built-in mentality of sharing the ball, playing the right way. Now, I've never seen a shot in my life that I don't like, but you still play basketball the right way by sharing the ball, moving the ball, backdoor, playing team defense. Um, which a lot of times Americans don't have the mentality built in, which is something that Kobe always said about the fundamentals. So to me, Mark Field figured that out, and now he has that thing on cruise control, which he knows which Europeans to get. He has connection in the major markets, especially Eastern Europe, when you look at Serbia, when you look in Croatia, um, Slovenia, when you look, you know, the, the former Yugoslavia, um, he has gotten that thing on lockdown. And I can tell you from experience from going over there, and playing against those teams, um, they, if they want to go to college, their number one choice will be um, Gonzaga. Just a real quick follow-up to that, uh, Jonathan. Is is it true that there are some foreign players who are being lured in by cash or by benefits? Uh, and a, a larger question would be, uh, how much cheating do you think is going on in this regard? Uh, Gordon, I can tell you this because I'm not involved with any university. Um, I know firsthand because, again, when we are in Europe and we are going around and we're traveling, people talk, right? And, and you know I'm a, I'm a talkative guy. The fact that I speak Italian, I speak multiple languages, I can go in these countries and talk to people. It's, I will say this. Is Gonzaga cheating? I highly doubt it. It's the same reason why you know Duke to me or North Carolina, they don't need to cheat. They already have that. But I know a lot of programs, including one program that recently went to the Final Four, and one of their foreign players that I know really well, and I know the family really well, uh, let's just say that you know it wasn't for the love of uh, playing college basketball and listen to the, you know, it had nothing to do with that, but it did have to do with the love for the almighty green. And so... Um, it happens, right? And you, you, and again, you know, um, I'll be completely blunt. When I came to America, when I went to, to, when my goal of coming to America instead of going, you know, to to Europe, was because I watched Blue Chips, and I wanted to do that, right? I wanted to come, and I wanted to get the girls, and I wanted to get the car and the money, and then Gordon, I became Mormon, and I went to BYU. So that is all to tell you about, you know, my reality for college sports. Um, but I can tell you this, um, if sometimes when you see a flag raised, my personal experience in college sports is 
usually that flag has been raised. There's a reason why, and the reason usually right. One more, one more follow-up I have for you, JT. It's this. I saw the picture that you posted recently with the, with the guy who had his fingers that were, looked like they were inside your eyes, essentially. Yep, yep. Uh, uh-huh. Did that hurt? So um, I actually got to follow you on Twitter, Gordon. I don't think I know that, and I, I do that. So I got to do that, and, I, and Jake, I think you too. I got Austin, remember, remind me of that, please, brother. So, Gordon, believe it or not, um, in a moment, um, my eyes, my vision went blur for about two or three minutes. Um, I actually finished the layup, by the way, which, you know, I, I didn't get foul on, and but I did make the layup right after that. Um, but I went blur for about two or three minutes. And, uh, you know, they pulled me out of the game. I didn't play the rest of the first half. I came back, and um, we were actually playing Pepperdine and we ended up beating them by 20, I think. It, w- it wasn't even a close game, um, which is how BYU should you know, handle Pepperdine, right? And so – um, but it, I, it was blur. It didn't really hurt. It was just the impact. It looks worse than it actually was. The guy actually the next day calls. He called me two times. Once was through Kyle Shilton, the former um, SID, and then the other one was on my cell phone, making sure that I was okay. It looks, you know, worse than it was. Um, to me, the biggest, the, the saddest thing about this whole thing is that the picture. I think it was somebody from the Tribune that took it. Um, that yeah, guy right. actually took. Um, third place or second place, or he actually uh, ended up getting a really um, high, um, uh, and, um, you know, kind of finish on a, on a picture uh, competition. Uh, and, you know, it kind of it was world known and everybody, I mean, my name was everywhere because of it, and I didn't see a single penny out of it. So you talk <laughs> about I came to college, I wanted to get paid, I wanted to get the girls and the free cars and all of that and party. And then I became Mormon, and I went to church, and I got married, and I never saw a penny for a picture that, you know, went around the world. So uh, I guess I should have gotten paid. So Have you, Jake, have you seen that photo? I have, I have. I thought it was a, a real, what I thought of is that is a visual representation of what it's like to work with Gordon. <laughs> Jake, nice. I'm not going to hold you against that against you because some of Gordy's takes they are somewhat of a, a, a poke in the eye. So that's <laughs> that's kind of true. But you know what, Gordon, I've learned to love you. The more that I'm in America now, I get to listen to you guys radio. You're growing on me, and it's a good growing, not like weed that you want to get rid of. It's like a really beautiful, you know, uh, a bushes of, of uh, you know, of, of roses. So you're growing on me, my guy. That's a good thing. Oh, well, thanks. Thank I you. Think. Thank you, Jonathan. Hey, we truly appreciate you when you uh, get a chance to jump on the show. Thank you very much. Hey, uh, nothing but love for you guys and the Jake. I know you're a fan of D, so give me 30 seconds. I'm going to tell you one of my crazy European stories because I know you love those. Oh, I do so, love them. Yeah, that's um, true. Let me tell you one right here. So we go play. I'm playing down in Naples, and we go play in Milan. And a teammate of mine, um, big party guy, he dropped out of college and went overseas. So he flies with us into the game the night before. He has dinner with the team. In the morning, you know, we all have our own rooms. Nobody knows where he is. Um, come lunchtime and shoot around. We don't know where he is. Come the pregame kind of snack that we have at five. Nobody knows where he is. At about 20 minutes before tip-off, he shows up to the um, to the game, completely drunk, eyes are red. Nobody knows where he is. He goes in. He suits up. The coach says, your punishment is that you're going to come off the bench. 
he comes off the bench and he scores 25 points and we win the game <laughs> and everybody can't believe and he's drunk and he smells alcohol right after the game um he goes back to the hotel he has dinner with us in the morning we have a really early flight because we have to go to germany um after that uh, nobody sees him nobody knows where he is we get to germany um nobody knows where he is or hears from him um, we get in, we have practice and shoot around the next day, lunch, the same thing. And somehow he shows up at the arena um, at game time. Again, super drunk. We think that he's high at this time. Drops another 30 points. We win the game on the road. Um, and then at this time, the president put a handcuffs on him, and they slept together on the same bed on handcuffs <laughs> because they said that they're not going to know what he's going to do next time. And so, uh, and then at that day, he was on the, on the, you know, the day after he was on the plane back with us to Italy. But um, I'm never going to forget that the fact that this man disappeared for almost 24 hours and just showed up, kind of like the Holy Ghost, you know, showed up only when it's really needed. And uh, one of the most amazing surreal experiences that I had, the guy was dunking and jumping and scoring and shooting. But uh, it's one of those crazy European stories that I have. Love it. Hilarious. The president handcuffs himself to the player. Yep. <laughs> That's yep, amazing. Yep, yep. Guys, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jonathan. We appreciate you. Uh, that's Jonathan Tavernari joining us. And I do love those stories. He knows I love those stories. You talk to anybody who's played in Europe, Gordon, you know this, and they just have the wildest stuff that happens. Yeah, they do. I'm, I mean, there are. Uh, I mean, I remember one player telling me how uh, he was supposed to be paid by the team owner, but the team owner was tied into the that nation's mafia and uh he literally feared for his life at one point because he hadn't been paid and he started complaining about it and he thought he was a goner <laughs>